You're listening to episode number 40 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today, we're chatting about how to keep your health as a priority, alternatives to the fear and guilt that comes when you fall off the wagon, and how to deal with the fear of missing out. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from HealthfulPursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. All listeners of the podcast receive a free seven-day keto meal plan, complete with a shopping list and everything you need to chow down on keto for seven whole days. Download your free copy at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. The link will also be in the show notes for today's episode. Perfect if your daily keto meals have become a bit lackluster, if you're new to keto and a bit lost when it comes to eating what and how much, or thrive on being guided on what to do and when to do it. Again, that's healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. Let's get this party started. Hey guys, happy Sunday. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E40. The transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. So if you head on over to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E40, we'll include all of the resources and links that our guest and I chat about today. Let's hear from one of our awesome partners. The show is partnered up with Paleo Valley, the makers of the only 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef stick. Each stick contains 1 billion probiotic CFUs. We all know how important fermented foods are to the health of our gut and the strength of our immune system, especially during cold and flu season, as well as boosting our energy throughout the winter months. Chowing down on Paleo Valley's fermented beef sticks provides your body with all of the beneficial bacteria it loves in one convenient little beef stick. Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical additive dye and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar, and made with the highest quality ingredients. Exclusive to listeners of the show, receive instant savings of 20% off Paleo Valley fermented beef stick snacks by going to paleovalley.com forward slash keto. And if your jaw is just tired thinking about beef jerky. It's worth noting that these tasty treats are not tough at all, but moist with a little snap. The summer sausage flavor even tastes like those hickory summer sausages, but without the gunk. Seriously delicious. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash keto for an instant 20% off savings. If you have an idea for a podcast episode or want to submit praise over and above the review, which you can leave by going to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review, you can reach me at info at ketodietpodcast.com. I just have one quick announcement, and that is if you haven't already reviewed the podcast, please, please do so. You can head on over to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash review, or just head on over to the player that you use to listen to the podcast and give us a little rating and share your experience about the show. Our guest today, her name is Kara Halderman, and she's a nutrition therapy practitioner, podcaster, and advocate for optimal nutrition. 
As a kid, she was fed the standard American diet, resulting in persistent illnesses and chronic antibiotic use. Getting older, problems escalated as she had to leave university and her dream of becoming a chemical engineer at the age of 19 to dedicate herself to healing from several duodenal ulcers and years of malnutrition. After adopting a paleo template, her life took a complete 180 and her passion resides in educating young women about the importance of proper nutrition through social media, her practice, and podcast low-carb conversations. Podcast today with Kara was so great. I always enjoy chatting with her and we always have a good time. I hope you have a good time listening to the recording as well. We covered a lot of ground and I think the main takeaway here is that food is just food. And I think we put a lot of power into the food that we do or do not eat. And we put a lot of possession in the things that don't necessarily require possession. And we can kind of make ourselves crazy over obsessing over health almost too much. So there's a fine line and Kara and I dance on the edge of that line to try to determine how to figure out what foods make you feel good, how to set up non-negotiable foods without creating binge tendency toward foods that you quote unquote shouldn't have. So I think overall, hopefully you'll leave this episode feeling better about your choices and feeling like you are provided with tips and strategies to overcome those feelings of, you know, when you get quote unquote off track, that you can kind of look at things in a different way, boost up your mental clarity as well as your attitude toward things and hit the ground running. So without further ado, let's cut over to the interview. Hey, Kara, how's it going? Hey, Leanne, it's going good. I just woke up a couple hours ago, so feeling fresh and ready for the podcast today. Wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to party. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so ready. I've never heard that. I like that. Really? <laughs> That's I, see, yeah. it's because I'm old. We were just talking about this. <laughs> the difference of years. I was telling you, you're not old. Not old at all. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't know. I think it's supposed to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but I changed it to wide-eyed because I don't no, I think it's better. I say it all the I time. Like it. it reminds me of a little squirrel. In fact, there was a squirrel hiding in our garage the other day. He had like set up camp in our little garage and I saved his life because I put him outside. No way. Yeah, I had to wear gloves because I was afraid he'd bite me and then I'd get rabies or something. But oh no, gosh. he didn't look like he had rabies. But yeah, I saved him. He was all wide-eyed and bushy-tailed ready for the day. And I was like, dude, you can't live in here. You need to go find your family. Poor, really poor squirrel. Yeah, dude, know, right? you can't live in here. But okay, I get it now. That's where the saying comes from. Yeah, it's got to be squirrels because they're always ready to go in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. I see that. <laughs> For listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, I am Kara Halderman. I am a 22-year-old girl that lives in Dallas, Texas. Well, I'm really just from all over Texas. For some reason, I've lived in like Dallas, Houston, Austin, Beaumont, everywhere. Pretty much, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner as well. I just graduated in June, this early June, and that was a really exciting moment for me. So I'm also a podcaster. I do have a podcast called Low Carb Conversations, and all of this is so new to me, and it's so exciting because I'm finally achieving all the things that I wanted to do for so long. I got into all of this because I'd really not been very well for the majority of my life. I, my parents and I kind of joke around that I was sick from the womb because 
as a baby, I constantly had fevers. I was not breastfed and I was fed a bunch of formula and I always had stomach problems, always throwing up formula, throwing up food, couldn't keep anything down, constantly sick. And this just kind of manifested throughout my life. In high school, I had chronic sinus infections, mono. I was just tired all the time. And I really couldn't hang out with my friends as much as I wanted to. And this even got worse in college. In college, I spent most of my time in my dorm room watching Netflix, sleeping while my friends were out, you know, partying, having a good time. And I was not just because I was exhausted all the time. But I also didn't eat very well. I ate standard American diet, your typical teenage foods, ramen, sweets, soda. I was a Coca-Cola addict. I think I would drink three or four bottles a day that maybe, I don't know, I think that's a lot, but I hear people are drinking more now, which is scary, but I never had a good grasp on nutrition and I never really planned to either. But in college one day, I just kind of woke up and I couldn't stomach food anymore. It was very random and sporadic. I ate like a Laura bar one day because I thought those were super healthy and they are good good choices, better choices. But I ate a Laura bar one day. I felt so nauseous and so sick and I couldn't keep it down. And then ever since that moment, I could not keep any more food down. It was very bizarre. And got to the point where I lost like 30 pounds. I was sickly looking and I couldn't take care of myself. I was having a lot of anxiety and more sinus infections and my immune system had just completely blown up. And I had to drop out of college. I was going for chemical engineering, but I had to drop out of school and I had to move back home, back in with my parents and get a bunch of testing done and figure out what was going on. And this was really devastating to me. As a 19 year old college girl, I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to have fun and I couldn't do that. I was stuck at home with no friends just con like constantly worried about my health and no 19 or 20 year old should have to be in that position. And I finally figured out after seeing a bunch of doctors, I had like 30 duodenal ulcers, which is in the small intestine. And that kind of changed my life. I didn't know how that got there. My doctors told me, well, you may or may not have celiac. You may or may not have H. pylori. And you may just have a bunch of stomach acid. So here, take these, this Nexium, these acid blockers, and you'll be good to go. And I did that. Everything was a lot worse. And I just kept wondering, what's going on? <laughs> Why are these drugs not working for me? And one day I was Googling and stumbled across the paleo diet and actually came across Danielle Walker's Against All Grain blog and she had ulcerative colitis. So I was so fascinated by what she was doing and I decided to take it on. And within a couple days, I had no more stomach pain. I just felt a lot more energized and I could eat a lot more foods because for a while I was eating lentil soup from a can for six months straight because that's all I could stomach. And it was not a good life to live, let me tell you. So then the ball just kind of rolled from there. I started healing and it took me about a year to really heal my gut. I started seeing a lot more natural practitioners like um, applied kinesiology practitioners um, in the chiropractic realm. They really helped me in naturopathic doctors. And then I just became obsessed basically with health and nutrition. And I knew that this was something I had to do. 
with my life. And I'm still dealing with a lot of health things to this day, because when you have 20 years of really just treating your body poorly and not feeding it the way that it should be for the first 20 years of your life, you're still going to have a lot of work to do. But I've come such a long way. I've learned so much and I'm really grateful for this experience. Wow. I had no idea that this was your, thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, we've chatted for, I don't know, maybe the last year and we got to meet on the book tour in real life. And that was so cool, but I didn't know that that was your experience. So thanks so much for sharing that. How do you, okay. So you've gone from what you would consider to be pretty sick to now being really passionate about health and trying to do your body right. How do you handle you know, and this is really what we wanted to talk about today. How do you handle staying quote unquote committed when your health is on the line? Like, you know, that if you have certain things, you're going to feel progressively worse quite quickly. How do you manage that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really difficult. And I feel like that is what a lot of people struggle with. And I have to be completely honest, I still struggle with it to this day. But I feel like I've gotten to a lot better place in my life. In the very beginning, my health truly was on the line. I could not keep food down. If I was not eating, then you can't live. So I had to get very serious and be like, okay, I'm buckling down here. I'm eating strict paleo because this is my health that's on the line. And I did that. But as I got better and as I started to improve, I started to like quote unquote slip a little bit because I realized, wow, my stomach is better. I can handle all these foods. So I strayed away from paleo. I started drinking a lot of alcohol again because I could tolerate it and I just wanted to fit in. So I started drinking a lot of alcohol and eating fast food again. Sometimes I would dabble in eating gluten again, even when I knew this was not right for my body. And it was really difficult. And being 22 years old, you do just want to fit in, but you do have to see the bigger picture and you have to get your why back in check. For some reason, we all, we don't take action until something really bad happens to us. For some reason, I don't know, that's just why humans work. And that is what (laughs) works for me for some reason. So Like I said, in the beginning, I had all these stomach problems. My life was on the line. I had to get back on track. And then I slipped. And like I said, I dabbled in a bunch of alcohol and fast food and gluten again. And then my health really started to slip again. I gained a whole bunch of weight back. My hormones were all over the place. My gut was a wreck. And I realized, wow, I did this again to myself by slipping up and giving in and just not holding my ground. I did this again. I created a sick person again. And I'm really just trying to not break, not continue that cycle of giving in to society because I want to fit in and then making myself sick again, because I'm really passionate about you don't have to trash your body to be cool. It's something I really want to get across to younger people and older women as well, but mainly the younger generation within their 20s to 30s. 
I just want them to know you don't have to trash your body with alcohol and fast food and giving in to pressures of being with your friends to be cool. And being healthy is cool. I don't know if that even answered the question, but I I go off on tangents a lot. If you follow me on Instagram, I have a lot of tangents. I don't know if that answered the question, but (laughs) that was just a rant. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, to reiterate, you're making your health a priority, but by seeing it as something that's important. And I think your point of, you know, not wanting, wanting to fit in. So making choices based on experiences, as opposed to what feels good in your body. I mean, I can think back to when I was first diagnosed with, well, it wasn't celiac disease. The doctor just said, you probably have celiac disease. You should probably stop eating gluten. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get the test for it at the time. It was too expensive for me to do. I was a young kid still in high school and I was living on my own. It just wasn't an option. And so when I'd go to work and people would be like, come on, just like have the sandwich and be part of the team and what's wrong with you. And there was a lot of pressure also. So, and this fear, like fear of missing out, which now I know that that is short for FOMO is what people say. (laughs) The cool kids say FOMO. And there's, there's this huge culture around, you know, especially I find when I was meeting with clients, Texas, I don't know, like all my clients in Texas, I don't know what it was. They said like work culture there was just really hard to not have the foods that are quote unquote bad for Mm -hmm. your body. And it, there's so much pressure of, you know, it's, it's almost like this unsaid thing of just like you eat with the team and you go out and you eat what everyone else is eating. And then people won't even say that you're a freak or anything if you're eating different, but you don't want to do it because you're afraid that you might not get that promotion or that people will think that you're weird. So there's so much culture around the fact that you just eat what everyone else is eating and that you have this fear around handling that in a way that feels right to you. More on my interview with Kara Halderman after this message from one of our podcast partners. I love being Canadian, the home of the true North strong and free, but gosh, I'm pretty jealous of you all in the US because you get access to Thrive Market while I'm stuck with limited access to the abundance of health foods that you all know and love. We have 14 day shipping and everything's really expensive and forget about free shipping. That's always out of the question. For all of my pals south of the border, my friends at Thrive Market are offering you 35% off your first box of groceries plus free shipping and and a 30-day trial so you can reorder your favorites a couple of weeks down the road. Imagine spending only $9.95 as opposed to the $20.99 on raw cacao powder, or $15.65 as opposed to $24.99 on MCT oil if you go to a retail store. So on top of their everyday wholesale prices, the extra 35% off your first box of organic and non-GMO products plus free shipping is going to make a regular $100 grocery run into about a 50 maybe $75 Thrive Market order for the same amount of things. You can go to thrivemarket.com forward slash HP to get your instant 35% off and this offer will expire in a couple of weeks. So if you're on the fence about it, the time is now. Again, that's thrivemarket.com forward slash HP to get your instant 35% off and this offer is available to new Thrive Market customers only and people in the U.S. Wah, wah. Tell us a little bit about the guilt and the negative feelings associated when, say, we're getting you know back on track and do these things hinder people from taking steps to do that? 
Right. So I do think the term getting back on track in itself could be beneficial to some people and can hurt some people. First of all, you need to establish what kind of person you are. Are you somebody that is going to be triggered by the term getting back on track? Meaning, does that make you feel guilty in some way? Does that make you feel like you've done something wrong? That's really important to establish. And if the answer is no, if you're like, nope, that just means that I'm improving my health, I'm getting back on track, then great, go for it. Start getting back on track, start eating healthier. But if you're somebody that starts to feel, like I said, a little bit guilty from saying, oh, this starts tomorrow, or I'm getting on back, tra- getting back on track tomorrow, I think it's really important to dig a little bit deeper as to why you have those feelings of guilt around the term getting back on track. And I think getting back on track really should start in the mind and not in the stomach. You have to address if you are mentally prepared to even quote unquote, like get back on track with a diet. Because to me, from my personal experience, getting back on track really feeds into the diet culture and diet reality. And that's all centered around fear. Unfortunately, they want you to be off track so you can buy their book, buy their workout programs, all of that. So that's why they kind of created these terms, get back on track with the keto diet or get back on track with paleo or vegetarianism or veganism. But really, you just need to figure out what works for you. And for me, with all my health problems, I did develop a lot of disordered eating and I did develop binge eating tendencies and it was very triggering for me when I would tell myself that I need to get back on track because I really just had these feelings of like no self-worth that I was doing everything wrong and that pretty much made me want to binge even more when I told myself that I need to get back on track. So I'd be like, oh, it starts tomorrow. So I'm going to eat everything right now. (laughs) Everything that's in my pantry, I'm going to eat it right now. And that really was very destructive. So now I've just completely eliminated the track. There is no getting back on track for me. I just have a very detailed list of non-negotiables. And I think that's very important. So the non-negotiables for me are like, I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat fast foods, processed foods, and a lot of other things as well. And those are things that I pretty much will never give in to. And you have to make sure that you can actually never give in to those things. Because for a lot of people saying never is once again triggering. If you say, oh, I'm never going to do this, then you definitely want to give in and you want to do it. But for me, these were things that were necessary to my health. And I'm never going to give in to those things. So I have this really defined set of non-negotiables, but everything else to me is negotiable. So if I want to eat fruit every now and then, I have to check in with myself and address to myself, okay, why do I want to eat fruit? Is this a sugar craving? Am I feeling emotional for some reason? Because for me, sugar is also a little bit triggering, even from fruit. So I have to check in with myself a lot to make sure that I'm not doing this for not wrong reasons, but I'm not doing this from an emotional standpoint. And that has actually given me a lot more freedom. Instead of just defining myself to a certain track saying, okay, I'm hopping back on track to being keto, that was very triggering and it did not contribute to a healthy relationship 
for food with food for me. So I just eliminated the track, gave myself some really strict non-negotiables and everything from there is really case dependent. Mm, That's awesome. And getting back on track can also be referred to as getting back on the wagon. Mm -hmm. Um, And something that I noticed, especially when you're, when you feel like you're off the track or out of the wagon or whatever you want to say, is that a lot of people own their label. And what I mean by that is when I had an eating disorder, I always labeled it as my eating disorder. Or you notice like if somebody has cancer, they'll say my cancer. And I think it, it really puts more power into something that it doesn't require. And so when you talk about, you know, I I always try and some people might notice this in podcasts and YouTube videos when I'm making stuff, I never announce it as being mine. And I feel like that kind of takes the power out of it. Like I'll, I'll very rarely say my eating disorder because then it puts too much power into it. And I notice that when people are quote unquote off track or um, they've fallen off the wagon, they put a lot of possession into this experience, you know, like my failure or my eating sucks or, or they put too much power behind that by, by making it quote unquote theirs. And I'd love to ask you a question on like how you developed your non-negotiables. Like for me, you know, my non-negotiables are strictly because when I eat them, they make me feel bad. Like dairy and gluten. Those are pretty much my only non-negotiables because like what you said is, you know, if I say, you know, don't eat candy, oh girl, I'm going to eat all the candy. Like I just can't, like I I can't put that as a non-negotiable, but you know, where do you define the line between non-negotiable and just things that don't make you feel good? Or is that the same thing? So for me, my non-negotiables are things that I know are completely detrimental to my health. Like if I eat them, I will instantly, I will totally regret it. It is just really going to mess everything up for me. And that is for me, gluten, dairy, and really like refined sugary thing, like the refined sugar and soda and candy, like the corn syrups and stuff like that. Those are my total non-negotiables because I know if I eat them, I will go absolutely crazy, like mentally, physically. It's just not pretty for me or for anybody else. The rest, they really are just case dependent for me. So I don't put anything else really off limits unless I am having a really big health struggle. So I have to assess for myself, like, what is my health right now? What am I trying to achieve with my health? I never ask myself this question around weight either, because my weight has changed a lot throughout my life with fluctuating hormones and these stomach issues as well. So I don't want to address weight anymore. But I ask myself, what is my health at? And if it's good, then I can really just live my life within my means of negotiables. So I have my non-negotiables of the gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. But if I'm feeling okay, then I can have pretty much everything else as long as I check in and it works for me at that moment. But if my health is not so good, Like right now I'm dealing with a lot of different hormonal struggles and I've actually dealt with these my whole life, but they're just finally coming into the light for me that they are hormonal based struggles and health symptoms. So I have to check in and be like, my health right now is not very good. So what can I eat? That's really going to improve that. And I had to develop 
pretty much a new list of like temporarily off limit foods. Like I'm following more of an AIP approach right now, just so I can really lower my inflammation, but I don't call myself AIP. Like you said about owning your like eating disorder. A lot of people also really own their diet and have a lot of attachment to the way that they're eating. And so I'm eating AIP right now, but I'm not going to say that I'm AIP because like yesterday, pretty sure I ate some tomatoes and some peppers and those are all nightshades. Mm -hmm. And I also went to like a baseball game yesterday and I was hungry and I ate a turkey leg there and it was the best option there. Like, but I'm not going to beat myself up about it because I'm not defining myself as AIP. I felt fine. I was going to eat it. I checked in with myself, made sure that that was okay. I wasn't just eating from an emotional standpoint, which part of it was because I did want to fit in, but it was something I was willing to compromise on because it was a turkey leg and not like popcorn or soda or cotton candy or whatever. So it's really about making choices that are going to improve your emotional and your physical well-being. It's about constantly really just checking in with yourself and reassuring that that is the right decision for you at that moment. Mm, yes. More on my interview with Kara Halderman after this message from one of our podcast partners. The podcast is partnered with Wolf Clinic Royal Flora, my choice in soil-based probiotics. Soil-based probiotics are a fabulously effective approach to repopulating the gut. The soil-based organisms are cultured in declayed plant matter free from pesticides, chemicals, and toxins. Unlike conventional probiotics, which have a shortened shelf life, are vulnerable to stomach acid, weakened by processing methods, and less likely to reconstitute or colonize the GI tract to the level we need it, soil-based probiotics are alive and thriving, meaning they colonize along the entire GI tract, rapidly forming into the bacteria your body needs most as soon as it interacts with saliva. Soil-based probiotics from Wolf Clinic called Royal Flora is my choice in soil-based probiotic, and my gut has never felt less bloated. I'm not reacting to foods in the way that I used to, for example, spaghetti squash. I can eat it, no problem. It's great. U.S. and Canadian listeners receive 20% off when you order from healthfulpursuit.com forward slash gut. Use the coupon code GUT, all in caps, no spaces, for the 20% discount to be applied to your order. So we're human. And I mean, I've done this oodles of times where say you're at that, you know, say you're at that event and there's I don't know, popcorn and hot dogs and cotton candy and everyone's eating it and you have this fear of missing out and you end up eating all the things and going completely quote unquote mm -hmm. off the rails. What do you do? How do you, like, I know what I do in those circumstances, but I'd love to ask you, I mean, this stuff happens. How do you recenter yourself and get focused and, and align yourself with your values without beating yourself up over everything? Yeah, so this was something that I recently just kind of learned how to deal with because I would be that person. I mean, we all do it. We'll go to an event and we say, okay, I'm sticking to my diet. I am not eating gluten at this party or at the fair or whatever tonight. And then you go there and you eat all the things and you kind of feel like crap about yourself. And I used to be 
that person to a T and I would beat myself up about it. And really, because I beat myself up about it, it would then lead into like another week of binging on all of those things. So really beating yourself up about it and feeling guilty about all of those things really leads into more negative behaviors. So what I've really learned how to do is to I hate saying like, love yourself, blah, 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 because people want like strict, they want to know how you can love yourself and how you can take steps towards building that healthy relationship with food. But even if you do eat all of those things, I just constantly reassure myself that everything is going to be fine. I take some time out the next day to do some self-care. I'll go for a long walk. I'll do meditation. I will listen to my favorite podcasts and I remind myself that I'm already on track. I really do believe that there is a bigger plan outside of your diet. And even if you do quote unquote, go off track of your diet, that is a part of your bigger track. That's a part of your bigger plan. And you just need to have faith. And I think a lot of people are missing faith, whether not necessarily like religious faith, but just having faith in a bigger plan, having faith that everything will be okay. We're so caught up in the moment and how everything is going to make us feel that if you mess up, you feel so awful about yourself. But I've really just learned how to have faith in the bigger picture of everything and know that this one day is not going to set me off for years and years down the road that I will improve and I will get better. You just have to take little baby steps of taking care of yourself mentally and physically in order to get there, if that answered the question. Yeah, definitely. I think those little baby steps are so important. Like I'm the type of person we were chatting about before we started recording where when I want to do something, I do it like right away. And that's why when I found keto, I was keto the next day, no problem. Mm -hmm. And when I wanted to start a business, I quit my job. And you know, like I do these big things really quickly when I can, but something that's been quite humbling and also really frustrating is, you know, our process of moving into an RV is not something you can just like, oh, tomorrow you're living in an RV. And it's the first time in a very long time where I haven't had full control over something to just be like, yeah, I'm doing that. And I think for people that, you know, my progression of health happened quite naturally over time. And it wasn't, it wasn't ever it was a struggle, but it wasn't like this big project that I took on because I never knew the final destination. And I think that that's where my process was a lot different than other people of, you know, if you're eating a standard American diet and you see this keto thing and it's whole food based and you're like, how do they even eat yeah. like that? Like how? Whereas with me, I never really knew where I was going, <laughs> you know? So I was just like, oh, this doesn't make me feel good. And okay, so now I'm sensitive to gluten and I have to remove that. But it was never this big picture of what I was going towards. So in a lot of ways, I was lucky that way. But I guess, you know, all I'm really saying is that, you know, if you have this final destination in mind of like, I want to eat whole food keto, I don't want to be eating this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cotton candy and popcorn, and I know how horrible they are for my body, it puts a lot of stress on us, like, so, it does. so, so much stress and so much power in the food of, yeah, this food is bad, this food is good, when really it's a perception 
thing. It is. It's completely perception. And I actually had to give up the idea of a final destination. I'm very like a type personality driven. I want to get my goals done when I have them. And we were talking about that earlier too. And I always have a final destination in mind. I very much so live in my head. And I think of like, oh my gosh, my life is going to be so amazing when all of these things happen. But really in order to achieve day-to-day happiness and day-to-day happiness with food and with eating, I had to eliminate my final destination, meaning, okay, I'm going to weigh, like one day I'm going to weigh pounds. I'm going to be super healthy. I'm going to look this way. I'm going to be able to do CrossFit. Like these were my goals for myself for such a long time. And every single day I was trying to live up to these goals. I was trying to live as if I weighed pounds and did CrossFit. But the reality is I'm not pounds and I don't do CrossFit right now. Like, and I can't do that. So you can't live your life as if you're already there. It is a process. You have to develop every single day. And for me, just letting go of those goals completely allowed me to really find myself and find my own views with food. I used to be very strict ketogenic. That's how I found a lot of your work, but your work was very freeing for me because nothing wrong with very strict ketogenic, but I counted like all of my carbohydrates like crazy. I did macro tracking. I lost a bunch of weight. And then from doing that, once I quote unquote fell off the wagon, or if I even ate like 25 grams of carbs, I felt so bad. I felt so guilty. And that's when I started watching your YouTube channels and you were just kind of like, eh, like, don't worry about it. (laughs) All that stuff, like eat all of your vegetables, don't count. And this was a huge (laughs) mindset shift for me. And this kind of circles back to just giving up my end result. And I did keto for the end result. I wanted to weigh a certain weight. I wanted to lift a certain amount of weight in the gym and all of that. And I just had to give that up so my body could actually find what foods that it wanted in order to heal. Yes, 100%. That was my ketogenic experience as well of just like just going crazy. Like I'm so happy I checked myself before I completely wrecked myself. I don't even know what would happen if I was still doing what I was doing those first six months. Yeah, it was a hot mess. So you chat a lot about you. You I think you wrote a blog post, right? On the fear of missing out and mm-hmm. kind of the, the detrimental effects of that. What are your tips to help negate that fear of missing out? Because, you know, yeah. you're sitting in a ball game and everyone's eating all this stuff around you and you're like, oh, I think my experience would be better if I ate those things or at Christmas time and everyone's having all these things that, you know, don't make you feel good. How do you kind of get through the fear of missing out? Right. So that's hard. (laughs) But first of all, that's very hard. And I deal with that pretty much every single day. I did write a blog post about it. And it was talking about how it's pretty much asking like, is FOMO sabotaging your health goals? I really do believe that there, you can achieve this balance of loving yourself, but being realistic. And I think that really does come into play with the whole FOMO thing. You have to ground yourself and be practical, but you have to still love yourself in every single situation. So if loving yourself does mean 
eating that hot dog with your family in that moment, then you can do that. But you also have to put into um, context being realistic. Like, do you have celiac disease? Or are you sensitive to gluten? Okay, well, then maybe that really is not the best decision for you. So you have to find that fine line balance between being airy fairy and spiritual and loving yourself and being really realistic. Because if you have health goals, then really giving in is not going to help. And that's kind of what this blog post was about. But my tips are you really, everyone says this, but you need to establish a strong why. It is so cliche, but you need to really dig deep within yourself and ask like, what is being sick? What is being tired? What is being bloated or your joints aching or whatever? What is all of this preventing you from doing with your life? Like if your health were to get worse, what would you regret missing out on. And the reality is not taking your, not taking care of yourself now can lead to bigger FOMO in the future. So if you give in to FOMO, like the fear of missing out and you eat that candy in the moment and you keep doing this, you'll get sicker and sicker. And then later on in life, you're going to probably miss out on a lot more things. So I established myself a strong why, like, why am I not eating these things? Why am I not eating my non-negotiable foods? And for me, it's so that I don't develop autoimmunity because it runs in my family and that I don't pass on these traits to my children. And that's just something that I I do not want to do. And I keep that in the back of my mind now when I'm making choices. Another thing is talk to your family and friends or get new friends. (laughs) It's very... (laughs) fine line there. But if you really do have these health goals, especially if they're not necessarily weight related goals, I don't have a problem with like, if you do want to lose weight or anything, but really I want, especially when I see clients, I want their goals to be very health centered. Like, do you want to improve your energy? Do you want like, I don't know, your hair to be thicker? Do you want better digestion? Like actual health goals. So talk to your family about them. Talk to your friends about your health goals and ask them to support you or ask if instead of going to that fast food restaurant or that chain restaurant for dinner, if you can pick the restaurant and Or maybe just suggest some new activities that you can do with them, like going for a hike, going for a walk, going to yoga, anything that really fits your situation. And if they're not willing to support you when it comes to friends, honestly, I would just get new ones. (laughs) That sounds really harsh, but I've had to do that because a lot of my friends in the past did not want to support me. They wanted to drink all the time and go get fast food. And even if I had my strong why, and if I stood in my power, it was still just too hard to be around. So you do need to find people that support you. And with family, I know it can be a little bit more difficult, but I think if you genuinely talk to your family and you come from this place of, I need help. I need you guys. You guys are my family. They will support you. And then One of my last tips is start documenting your life. That sounds really weird. People tell you to get off social media when there's a lot of FOMO going on, the fear of missing out, because fear of missing out really can stem from social media, looking at what everybody is eating, what everyone is doing. And it's so triggering. It makes you think, wow, my life is so boring, so uninteresting. I should be doing all of these things and eating all of these things. But 
really, I found that when I eliminated social media completely, I still wasn't happy. So I just started documenting my life. I started posting recipes that I loved. I started like Snapchatting my walks through the park. And I started a blog because I wanted to talk about everything that I was doing. And it sounds kind of weird, but by posting about your life, it kind of reminds you how awesome your life is. Like whenever I post a picture of the matcha latte or a coffee that I made, like, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. This is really healthy. It's got all these awesome ingredients in it. And you have no choice but to just relive that moment all over again and feel really grateful for everything that you're experiencing. So by posting, you're kind of just motivating yourself to do more things that you love and eat those foods that make you feel better and just be an overall better person. I mean, of course, social media has some of its downfalls and we can obsess about it, but I'm on there moderately and I just post when I want to post. And it really keeps me motivated just to keep doing things that make me feel good. So I don't recommend just eliminating it altogether. Just start an Instagram, start a blog, do something that motivates you and feels makes you feel good. Mm, that's, you know what? I've never had anyone ever say that. And I think that that's such an interesting way of going about it. And here I am thinking, you know, my blog used to be a very personal blog. I used to blog once a day. I don't even know how that was a thing. Like I, yeah, right. I had a full-time <laughs> job and I took pictures of everything and I posted it. And what I noticed is as I, as more people started following, I found it detrimental because I felt like people really? knew too much about me. And it just, yeah. but when I go back to those old posts and I mean, there's some of my favorite things that still now, if I'm just, you know, I have one post where it documents all my hair changes over like 10 years and it was like a birthday post. And I put up pictures of like every hairstyle I'd had <laughs> in the last oh 10 gosh. years. And I still go back to that post and being like, wow, like that's so cool. And I still continue to change my hair almost every week. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I think that there's, there's a lot of power in that. And I think what, what I heard you saying is just kind of focusing on yourself. Like, you know, and using this yeah. as a tool to help yourself, not comparing yourself to others, not going on social media and saying, oh, well, I don't, you know, there's that thing that I do sometimes at 3 p.m. Not so much anymore, but I'll like go on social media and I'll look at all the, you know, better bloggers and better people that have better podcasts and I'll just start beating myself up over it. And I'll just, you know, check out their podcasts and see that they're rated higher than me. And I just get in this funk of just being unhappy. And I think that that's exactly what we don't want to do, but I love your idea of just highlighting almost like an online journal of just yes. all these awesome things and, and really looking at your life. My husband, Kevin, he's really, really good at seeing life for what it is. And I'm the type of person that will find everything wrong with a situation and come up with like 50 things that could go wrong at any given point, And I obsess mm -hmm. about it. And mm -hmm. Kevin, you know, my question to Kevin is always, am I making this up? Like when I'm really upset about something and he's like, yeah, this isn't actually a thing. Like this isn't actually happening right now. And so it's just really nice if you have that support and you have a partner or a friend or a sister or a brother, or somebody that can be your advocate. And I agree with you, Kara, like there are people over time that have just naturally left my life because they just weren't supporting the life that I wanted to have. And I mean, it sounds so cold when you say that. And I know that when you said it too, you're like, oh, that 
sounds really horrible, but I mean, it's really not like this is the life that you have. This is the only life that you have. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It does sound awful. Mm -hmm. And I still have this little piece inside of me that is a people pleaser and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But the reality is like, it's your life. It's not theirs. If somebody isn't making you happy, if somebody isn't actually supporting you through your life, it may be time to part ways. Mm. That's just what needs to be done sometimes. And you don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to be like, oh, well, you're not supporting me. So bye, Bye. like kind of thing. You can just be like, hey, I'm really looking to improve my life in this way, in this X, Y, and Z way. Like, are you willing to support me? I would love for you to support me. I love you. I want you to be a part of my life. But if you're not willing to, I feel like I may need to step away from this relationship for a little bit and that's okay. Like, thank you for being my friend for this long. Thank you for everything that you've done. Like really thank that person because they were part of your life and they did contribute something to your life. So just really coming at everything from a more place of gratitude and not being upset about it. It's just time to thank that person and kind of move on. And maybe you guys will meet up later on when you see eye to eye and are ready to support each other again. So coming at it from a place of love is very big. And so let's like the last piece, I think we should definitely chat about when it comes to like getting back on track and what that means and is self-sabotage. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> because usually when when things are going really, 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 really well and things are like rolling along and things are happy and probably that day you were snapping on your way to work and then all of a sudden this like switch goes off and you find yourself in your car at noon. You've just left the KFC drive through and you're stuffing <laughs> your face with gluten yeah. and stuff. Like all the things. Why? 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 Yes, there's a a lot of reasons, but it really all boils down to this. We all are running unconscious programs in our head at all times. And these self-sabotaging moments are moments of those unconscious programs replaying. And what I kind of mean by unconscious programs is we go along in our day-to-day lives, like making conscious decisions, but really everything that we do stems from unconscious programming. And that comes from like your parents, it comes from TV, it comes from music, it comes from everything that happened in your life. And this is going to sound a little bit woo-woo and weird, but I believe that it also comes from there's unconscious programming that carries down from past generations, past ancestors, and it carries down to you. And you may not even be aware that you have all these unconscious programmings that are just sabotaging your health. So it's about kind of cleaning those unconscious programs and making the the unconscious conscious to you. So doing meditation to kind of figure out what's going on in the back of your head is something that has really, really helped me. There is, I'm just really getting into this right now. There is a really amazing book called Zero Limits by Joe Vitale. And it talks about this old Hawaiian method called Ho'oponopono, which it pretty much means to clean. And it's, if you're into the woo woo type of stuff, it's definitely a book for you. (laughs) But it's been pretty life changing for me. It's about acknowledging all the past programmings that may either be coming from you, your parents, or even your ancestors, and kind of being like, 
okay, I'm sorry for everything that they may have done. And thank you for these programmings. And it's like telling yourself that over and over again, like, I'm sorry, and I love you, please forgive me over and over again, and clearing these subconscious programmings. It's very hard to explain, because it's a crazy phenomenon. It's an old Hawaiian tradition. But I think at the root of all this self sabotage, it's just things that are going on unconsciously in our head that we haven't become consciously aware of. And it's about bringing that into the light and realizing why you're doing things to yourself, essentially. That is really cool. That's something my dad is really into. He talks about it at length with me and it's all like garbly goop that I don't totally understand. But basically, <laughs> he tells me like it's he's hard read to understand. So, it's so hard to understand. But when he starts talking about it, he gets so passionate about it. And he makes sense. But I couldn't even repeat something about like, you know, for example, I am the sixth generation in our family of women to have an eating disorder. You know, See, like, how does yeah. that happen? Mm-hmm. How, how is that? I mean, that's a mental I see it very much as a mental disability of just like, there's something there. Like my mom had it. My grandma had it. Her mom had it. Her mom, like that is messed up. So, you know, when, when my dad talks about this stuff and he kind of goes into it, I mean, you know, if you really like the woo woo stuff, you can totally go down that realm. And it's quite interesting to see, you know, like an eating disorder necessarily, you know, they wouldn't say as far as I know, wouldn't say that it's, you know, determined by your genes. Yet, how can a sixth generation of women in in the same family have the same experience with just body dysmorphia and all of these things? So Mm -hmm. that's really interesting and something I don't totally understand, but that's cool. I'll definitely include a link in the show notes for that book. Yeah, the book is amazing. And I just realized I remembered the term, the term for like the, that passing down from generation to generation kind of stems from something called the collective unconscious, which is the unconscious minds of everyone. And that is how we're all connected. That sounds really weird and woo woo, but every single person is connected because there's this collective unconscious that we all share. Like, it's so interesting to talk about. And it sounds really weird when you start talking about it. But we all share this collective unconscious. And we're continuously like passing it down to each other, especially within families. And if you don't clear that, it's just going to keep passing from generation to generation. And yes, the book was called Zero Limits by Joe Vitale. And he is crazy awesome. <laughs> it's a I really will totally book. include the link in the show notes and that uh, collective unconscious I think of it as like a string of Christmas lights and every light yeah is you know a person and you know when it's on the Christmas tree you don't totally see the cables you just see the lights but they're all connected and they all like if one burns out at least you know when I was little and it wasn't like LED lights if one burns out the entire string goes down so I really like using that to kind of imagine that that's Totally my dad's doing. (laughs) Yeah, that's an awesome analogy. I'm so jealous of people that can just come up with these really great analogies because I have I have none, but that was a good one. Yeah, right. (laughs) Totally. I love it. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Where can people find more from you? Totally. You can find me on Instagram. I love 
Instagram stories mm-hmm. right now for some reason. But you can find me at Kara underscore about it. So it's K-A-R-A underscore B-O-U-T-I-T. You can also find me on careaboutit.com and the Low Carb Conversations podcast and my co-host, Leah Williamson. She's from Australia. She's also a nutritional therapy practitioner. We actually took over, well, he gifted it to us. Jimmy Moore gifted us his Low Carb Conversations podcast to carry on kind of in tradition because he wanted to move on and do some bigger and better things. And yeah, he handpicked myself and my co-host Leah to carry on the podcast. And this has been just such a life-changing experience for the both of us. And we talk about health headlines and articles, and we have on a bunch of different guests. Like we had Leanne, of course, on our show, and it's a really fun podcast, just a bunch of people chatting about health. So you can search the Low Carb Conversations podcast. You can go to my website, careaboutit.com, find me on Instagram, and all of that good jazz. Cool. I'll include a link to your show in the show notes because you guys are awesome. So thanks again for coming on the podcast today and the show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E40. The transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. Thanks again, Kara. Thank you. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.